everyone, and welcome to Glassbreakers Podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Logan, and every week I'll be featuring innovators and disruptors. So settle in because it's about to get real. Now let's get right into it. This is the pilot episode. This is the very first episode that I will be filming. It is not my first attempt at filming this. This is probably my 13th by this point, but it is the first episode you are hearing. I have literally had so much nerve and fear, the fear of failure um, and not being successful, even though I don't know what success looks like on a podcast. But let's do this. Let's break these insecurities and put this content out there. So first of all, let me introduce myself. So I am Kayla Logan. I am a plus size Canadian body positivity and mental health advocate. Some of you may know me from my body liberation campaign where I tour around, I tour around North America, which then ended up in Europe recently. And I pose with a large group of humans at iconic locations in either lingerie or swimwear. All humans are welcome. I like to say humans so that way I'm not discriminating against anyone when it comes to gender. Everyone is absolutely welcome, including children, although we do ask that they keep clothes on for this. It's all about celebrating your body, feeling empowered, and connecting with others in your community. Um, Some of the content I put out on other channels could be anything from plus size fashion and beauty, but I like to really share my authentic journey with um, mental health. I struggle with anxiety and depression and ADHD, and I want to be as real as possible so that way we can build a community and people don't feel like they're alone. Now that we've shared um, who I am, what is this podcast? What is this going to look like? So I have had this idea for over a year and the name of it. I felt really inspired by the fact that for most of our lives as women, we have hit this glass ceiling, but now we're breaking through. And that's kind of where the name comes from. It's from people who are breaking through that glass ceiling. And it doesn't necessarily have to be women. I want it to be inclusive to everyone because I find a lot of podcasts are very narrow in their scope and they only speak to a very, very like niche or specific audience. And a lot of the time it's just about female empowerment, which is wonderful. But I don't know where this podcast can go. And I wanted to be able to interview anyone who I felt was a disruptor and an innovator and was doing things that were inspiring and empowering. And also, I think the problem with just targeting female empowerment is what happens if someone doesn't identify as female? Um, What if they're non-binary? Like, it's just, it's too narrow. I think the scope of things in society today have really changed Um, And I think it's important to empower everyone. But yes, my original thought did come about female empowerment, breaking the glass ceiling. And although you're going to be hearing from a lot of female entrepreneurs and just people who motivate me and people I really want to meet, I just wanted to keep that open to see where this can go. And so we can continue to interview people that maybe intrigue you as well. No, people that do intrigue you. What am I saying? Um, So like I said, I've been wanting to launch this podcast for over a year. I've had the name for a year. I've even had the equipment for a year. And I just had so much insecurity around failure and perfectionism. I find it has a lot to do with my anxiety of wanting it to be the best it can be. And then 
I started to compare myself to others in this space who are doing amazing things. And then I really got in my head with that negative anxious talk thinking like I'm not good enough. There's already so many people in this space who are amazing, who are so articulate. Maybe the space is too crowded already. Like everyone seems to have a podcast this day. Like maybe it's not your place to start one. Maybe you won't be as good. Maybe you'll fail. Even though what does failure even look like with a podcast? And it just goes to show that we all have our insecurities and sometimes we need to accept, we need to accept them and move on. So the reason I actually want to do a podcast is a lot different than other people. I think a lot of other people just want to start a podcast. It's a new way to make content or grow their audience and so forth. For me, it has more to do with connecting with people. So I found that because I struggle with mental health, I have a tendency to isolate often. I call myself an introverted extrovert, where I like to spend a lot of time by myself indoors. And although it seems like I'm very, like I have a very loud personality, a lot of the times I'm alone. And I do have a I do struggle with trying to connect with others and I thought by doing this podcast and getting to meet the people I admire online or in life and you know business owners and just people that are inspiring that I could be able to connect with them and I could learn about their stories and we could bond and it would be a way to grow and to challenge myself and would really help with my personal relationships. So that's the truth. I wanted to do this for personal growth and to be able to meet more people and maybe to meet some friends. Like I know that sounds like kind of lame and pathetic, but I thought maybe this would be a great way to get to know more people. Um, and also I don't want to die alone. It'd be nice to meet some friends and to get inspired by others. I think as creators, we spend a lot of time alone creating our own content and it can be a very, very lonely place. So I thought this would also be a really great way to have important conversations with others that may be challenging. And I find that a lot of my conversations are one-sided, like I'll have them with my audience, but it's just me stating my opinion. I'd love to have my point of views challenged and to have a larger perspective and to be able to share those important and maybe controversial conversations on here. I want this to be a place where we can authentically speak. I find a lot of content online, if companies have sent you products or you're reviewing things, yes, people are honest to a certain degree, but I wanted this space to be completely for me and for people to share their unfiltered opinions and to be controversial if they want to. I want this to be unbelievably real and raw. So we're gonna get into it. We're gonna talk about everything from body positivity and mental health and self-care to maybe entrepreneurs that I feel inspire me and are making a change in society. There's no boundaries to where this podcast can go. Yes, I have already filmed a few introductions, or not introductions, I have already filmed with a few people here. Um, We're going to be talking about things like family violence, domestic abuse, sexual abuse. We've been talking about things like positive psychology. But for some reason, this very first podcast is the one that has stumped me the most. Having to come on here and speak about myself and talk into a microphone alone in a room while I'm literally staring at a wall looking at a God Save the Fashion painting I have feels super lonely and I mean right now we're all under quarantine 
I'm sitting in this house with my family. Everyone can hear me talking. And it's just like I'm about to share my journey. And I know it's already online and people can view it. But there's this like insecurity of people overhearing me or like, what if I'm a terrible podcaster? Like, what if you've already signed out by this point and you're just like, oh, she sucks. I'm never going to listen again. And again, you can tell these are my insecurities that I'm working through. But I'm telling you, we're going to have some really interesting people coming up on the next podcast. I'm really excited about it, at least. Like, So let's move forward. I guess let's start this podcast really off by sharing my story and how I got into the body positive space. So a few years ago, I had gained over 100 pounds. I had been traveling on the road. I had been going through a lot of struggles with mental health. I was going through a human rights case with my university at that time because they failed to accommodate me in school and I was pursuing legal action. And all of that stress triggered severe weight gain. I have struggled with eating disorders my whole life. I struggle with binge eating. Yeah, so yeah, trigger warnings are going to happen here. There's trigger warnings for mental health and eating disorders and potential abuse. We're just going to, we're going to dive right into it. So yeah, I put on like over a hundred pounds in like a year, I think it was. And I didn't quite notice it during the time because I was traveling, I was driving, I was doing travel. Um, Oh, my little dog's right beside me. He's so cute sleeping. I was doing travel. Um, Okay. I was traveling down the West Coast from Mexico all the way down the Pacific Highway to Vancouver. And I was travel blogging that and my whole experience. And I did it alone over like a year after I finished up an internship when I was in this public relations program. Anyway, so I put on this weight and I come home. And one of the first things a family member says to me is, well, you got fat, didn't you? yeah take that in take like that legitimately happened and it was the first time I started to notice like okay yeah like I put on some weight but like I didn't own a scale I wasn't weighing myself I wasn't looking in a ton of mirrors like I was just traveling I was enjoying food I was loving life like I was living my best life and yeah so that was really hurtful and I've struggled my whole life with having family make comments like this. Like I live in a very fat phobic family. My mother's plus size as well. My grandmother's not the smallest, but she loves to body shame the most. So I came home when I was living with my grandmother and she'd like to make comments like this and tell me how fat I looked. And I ended up just like living in this pair of track pants, like from the gap and I believed, like, because none of my clothes fit me any longer. Like, at that point, I realized it. And the only thing I felt comfortable was in this pair of track pants. And, which doesn't make you feel very confident about yourself either when you're wearing the same crappy pair of track pants every day and you refuse to buy clothes because you're convinced you're going to lose weight. So, like, why would you spend the money purchasing new clothes if you're going to lose weight? That's just a waste of money, right? So, then you end up living in the same pair of clothes that don't make you feel any better about yourself or your confidence. So, that whole negative cycle keeps continuing so finally I like turned to my family and I was so depressed like I was in such a huge depressive episode that I could not get off my couch for like six months like I could not I couldn't not function and I remember saying to my grandmother and my mom like I would rather be dead than live alive and be fat 
Yeah, I actually legitimately believe that. I was in such a fat phobic environment. I had really no idea what body positivity was. Like my stepdad had mentioned it a few times to me before, but I thought it was all bullshit. I was like, there's no way you can be fat and love yourself. Like I need to lose this weight or I'm never going to learn to love myself. I'm never going to get hired by another employer because I'm fat. Um, No one's going to ever want to love me. So I'll never get married. I'll never have kids. It's just my whole life surrounded around being thin. Like if I wasn't thin, it was not worth living. So at that point, my family took it really seriously as did I. I mean, like at one point prior to deciding that I was going to diet, I went into Banana Republic. I needed an outfit for court. My dad had like a court date for um, immigration. My dad's not from Canada and I didn't fit into a size 16. Banana Republic and I remember being in the middle of the store and I'd never been that large like my largest prior to that point was a size 12 and I mean I thought I was heavy then and I just started bawling in the middle of a Banana Republic because I was too fat to fit into anything and at that point I didn't believe in being called fat I didn't believe I was plus size I refused to shop at a plus size store because I wasn't plus size why should I have to go to a different store um it was really upsetting. I remember calling my mom in the car because she was larger and I was bawling my eyes out like nothing fits me. I'm so fat. What am I going to do? And I was so distraught. So right after that point is when I decided I was going to do the Dr. Bernstein's diet. I don't know if any of you have heard of it before. I did it before a couple years prior and I lost 50 pounds and it was really successful, but it's a doctor monitored program where you go about five days a week you get injections of b6 b12 you follow a really restrictive diet of like 800 calories a day but it's monitored by doctors and nurses you have to like pee in a jar every day to make sure you're in ketosis it's not keto but you do have to be in ketosis which that way you can burn the fat faster i wasn't even allowed to work out actually because my blood pressure was pretty low And they were worried I would faint because I was restricting so much. And every day you had to write down what you were eating. And you had like 15 pages of food you were allowed to eat. And you had to like weigh every single thing. You had to write every single thing you ate down. They had to initial it. They had to weigh you. And the promise was you could lose up to 15 to 20 pounds a month, which was completely true because I had done it before. So this was like the only way I truly believed I was going to lose weight, which by the way, this is severely unhealthy like to restrict yourself in that kind of way, it was extremely unhealthy and very damaging. And I know many other people who have done diets like this and they've really harmed themselves. Um, So I got down to about, I think it was 200 pounds. I think I started around 230, 240. So I got down to 200 pounds, which I thought was so heavy. Looking back, it's not. I'm well over 200 pounds now. Not that that matters. But we were about to go, or sorry, Let me backtrack a little bit here. So while doing this diet, like right before I did it, I decided that I wanted to show an authentic weight loss journey. Now, remember this time, I didn't really know what body positivity was. Like in my mind, being thin was being beautiful. So I was like, I'm going to show the stretch marks. I'm going to show the late night cravings, like wanting to cry and break down because I wanted to binge eat because at like nighttime, that was my time. That was my time when everyone was asleep so I didn't have to feel shame and I would just binge eat anything I could find. And I'd literally wake up in the morning with crumbs everywhere feeling so sick. So I was going to document 
you know, my struggles, like the real struggles. And I was going to show the cellulite and I was going to show the challenges and the, I guess, restricting myself, the unhealthy behavior. And we were going to be in this together. And then I came up with like this phenomenal idea in my mind. I was like, I'm going to show that you're beautiful at every shape and size by posing in your underwear at both iconic and like normal everyday places. And I thought, I was like, you're insane. This is the craziest idea you've ever had. Oh my goodness, are you actually going to do this? So I remember telling my grandmother, which her immediate reaction was just, she was unbelievably upset that I would potentially affect her reputation like this by posing in my underwear because, you know, they have a British background. They're very conservative. This is just not something you do. And also you don't air your dirty laundry in public. So you sharing this journey is something private and it's offensive and how dare you so they were actively like my family was actively against this idea but anyways I started off with iconic locations I started doing this at the distillery district in Toronto the first time I ever did it this is going to be really graphic like TMI coming in right now but the first time I ever did it I was like I'm gonna I'm going to shit and puke at the same time. Yeah, I know. It's disgusting. That's how nervous I was though. Like, and keep in mind at this point, I was only wearing like high rise boy shorts and a t-shirt. It wasn't even anything that scandalous. Like I see girls in a lot less on the beach, but in my mind being in the underwear that there was something sexualized about that and that was dirty and wrong and you didn't do that. It was very much a moral value placed on that. So I did it at the distillery the first time and it was all the old white women that seemed to get pretty mad about it. They give you like dirty looks or shake their fingers at you um, disapprovingly. <laughs> um, but I had some people who thought it was wonderful, but I was so nervous. I was going to pass out. I was going to throw up. I was going to soil my, like, I could not believe this dumb, dumb idea I had come up with. And then we did it in the gay village in Toronto, a church in Wellesley. And people were cheering me on. They're like, hey, girl, got it, got it. And I felt so strong and empowered. I felt amazing about this. So those were the first two locations in Toronto that I did it at. And then we were about to go on a family vacation to Nova Scotia. My grandmother was considering moving there. Really beautiful place in Canada. Um, so we went to Halifax and I decided this was going to be like the first out of Ontario place really I was going to pose at with a professional photographer. I mean, I posed in New Brunswick and <laughs> I made my little brother photograph me in bathing suits. That was like as close it was getting because, you know, he's like 16. Um, so I met up with this amazing photographer named Kaylin Amelia. We still stay in contact and she shot me in Nixwear. Nixwear was the first company. They're a Toronto female entrepreneur that believed in me and they provided some undergarments. So we shot that at um, Peggy's Cove and we also shot in Halifax. It was this candy store. I think it was called the Lunchbox or something. But I wore underwear in there as well. This public candy store and I was in a bathing suit and I was a bit curvier. I was around 200 pounds. And I had these mothers giving me dirty looks. But I thought it was so fabulous. And I remember... They were airy swimsuits and they ended up getting featured on airy, like on the website. And I died over it. Like that was the coolest thing. But anyways, so Peggy's Co. was like the first big location we did it at. And I felt so empowered, so strong. And I felt liberated. I mean, I was the type of person who 
I seemed confident on the outside, but even when I was thin, I never felt that comfortable wearing bathing suits. Um, at that point, I had stopped wearing shorts for a long time. Like I was in California wearing jeans at the beach. Like I was that person. I had just become so insecure with myself and getting into my underwear in public like that, I felt free. Like I did the thing that was the most vulnerable, the scariest thing I could think of. And I didn't die and I didn't feel humiliated. I felt stronger and I decided this is what I need to do. I had this huge realization this huge realization while I was on the trip and this was really hard for me but I started to realize that I was promoting I think I think I shared this let me backtrack if I didn't share this yet but I want to show that you're beautiful at every shape and size while losing the weight um to show that you should be accepted regardless of your size but so while I was in Nova Scotia I realized that I didn't I didn't believe that like I was promoting this ideology to show that hey I was beautiful at 200 pounds I'm going to be beautiful at 150 pounds but like I didn't in my core in my soul believe that and I started to realize and think about it that like when I was like 110 pounds I thought I was fat and ugly and now I'm in the 200 pounds and I think I'm fat and ugly and well, I've always kind of hated myself. Like, have I ever truly just loved me for who I am? And the answer was no. And then I realized, how can I promote this message on social media and to all these people that are potentially looking up to me when I don't believe in it? So I did the hardest thing I could ever possibly do. And when I came home, I quit the diet. Yeah, that was, I, to this day, I can't believe I had the strength to do that because I truly believed if I was thin, I'd be valued. And I think that's true in a lot of society still today. But I realized for myself, I needed to learn how to love myself before I could lose weight because I wasn't doing it for me. I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. I was doing it to fit into society, to fit into some mold that I wasn't. And the problem wasn't with my weight, it was with myself. So I quit the diet and I went on this journey of self-love and I continued to pose at iconic places in my underwear when I was staying in London, Ontario and I started playing at a lot of low, uh, posing at a lot of local places in my underwear and I did a lot of shoots featuring that and I started to build confidence around it. It was in showing my vulnerabilities, there was strength in it and then I decided that year that we were going to start posing or I was going to start posing a lot more iconic plays and take part in more group photo shoots. So I ended up taking part in one in Montreal, which was the Body Love campaign. And then I ended up posing at my first controversial location, which was Parliament in Canada, the Canadian Parliament in Ottawa. I was with a friend at that time who was filming it. We were on Instagram Live. So it's not illegal in Canada to pose in your underwear. In fact, it's not illegal to be topless in Canada because we believe in equality of the sexes. So I could have literally had my boobs out, nipples and everything, and that's not illegal. And I just finished posing at the front of Parliament and everything was fine. I was posing in like a pair of lace black, high-waisted underwear that had full coverage and same with the bra. 
and I was walking around Parliament, like, so we went through the back, and I was coming around the side, and I decided, hey, this is a really cool angle where you can get the entire building in. Let's do another quick set of photos. So I was posing in my underwear, and I have this amazing top on from a company called Mimi in August that says body diversity with a bunch of animals in different sizes. And uh, one of the RCMP officers came, which is like, RCMP in Canada, I think it's like our state officers, if you're in the States, I think that would be the equivalent. No, RCMP, they like enforce, yeah, there are federal, they're the, sorry, sorry, I should know better, I'm a political science major, or minor, um, there are federal officers, um, and they kind of monitor parliament, and I had this woman police officer at the front of parliament, it was all males, and they were fine, and I had this woman police over, come over, police officer come over, and she says to me, like, don't take your top off. And I'm like, excuse me? And she's like, don't do it. And I'm like, but is it illegal? And she says, no, it's not illegal. And I said, okay, that's fine then. And she was like very stern with me. And I think she knew what I was about to do because I was definitely about to take my top off and wear my bra. So she sat very close by where the photos were taken. But what she didn't realize is that I had Instagram Live going because I wanted to share this experience with my followers. And the moment I take my top off and I'm posing in this, you know, black lingerie that's very full coverage, she comes running over and screams at me about how inappropriate this is and to put my clothes on. She's demanding me to get dressed and she's talking about the children, even though there's no children around. And literally, she's forcing me, her fat phobic views on me when I'm not violating anything to get dressed all on camera nothing I'm doing is illegal. In fact, she literally abused her power when she did that. So that was the first controversial shoot. And that's when I really knew that this was important because people were enforcing their views on us regardless because because I was fat. So another thing that it's important to mention is that Every week at Parliament, there's a group of yogis, because I have followers in Ottawa who told me this, there's a group of yogis that go there and they wear the smallest little shorts and little bras and they're all very thin and there's no problems with that. But someone in a larger body does something in the very same amount of clothing and that's considered not appropriate. So I realized there was this disparity between what was acceptable for thinner bodies versus larger bodies and there was a larger issue at hand and I needed to move forward and push forward with this. And there was someone who really, really inspired me. Her name's Christiana. She was on The Real Catwalk. I mean, sorry, she's the founder of The Real Catwalk, but she was on America's Next Top Model. And she was someone who really, really inspired my body positivity journey. So I had come across her on Instagram. I didn't know she was actually on America's Next Top Model. And she did these photos about body positivity where like she wrote um, on her stomach on these curves, she was sitting down and she had rolls and it said on each roll, they see me rolling, they love in. So that was one of my first shoot inspirations. And I just felt so connected to her and what she was doing. And I didn't know many people who were that blatantly promoting body positivity. Um, I will talk about another one of my inspirations in a little bit. Um, so she's the founder of The Real Catwalk. And I thought that was just the coolest idea I'd ever seen. Like I could potentially, she was about to host one in New York over Christmas. I had never been to New York City. That was like my mecca. Like my background is in fashion PR. So 
New York is like the fashion capital, right, in America. And to me, that was everything. So I'd always wanted to go there. And then the fact is she's hosting the real catwalk where you take off your clothing and you can wear swimwear or lingerie and it was going to be in Times Square and you strut that runway in your underwear and it was going to be at Christmas in front of all of these people and it's this like gorilla style fashion show. So I would get to be part of something that empowering and important but also I would get to meet Christiana. What? Like what? Like can you just take it in? Just imagine like I was freaking out so I decided that I needed to go to New York. Like I had to take part in this in the real catwalk. I show up in New York. I see the New York sign when I'm driving in and I literally start crying because I'm in New York and I cannot believe that I made it because all the odds were against me in getting there. Like literally ran out of money before. Like it was just a friggin' nightmare trying to get to New York. And I get there and they had a body positivity, like body love, self-love meeting the night before the real catwalk because there's hundreds of people who take part in it. So this wasn't just about like body positivity for me this was about the first time I was going to in person connect with a big community of people like this like I was going to meet you know 50 to 100 people who all wanted to feel super empowered and strong and beautiful and connect with others like I never experienced something like this so I go there and Christiana is talking in the room what like Christiana is right there and I literally want to cry like I drove from Canada for this all of a sudden through the back door walks in curvily my jaw drops I lock eyes with her like I am a crazy fangirl because I had no idea that all these bloggers I followed like I don't know why I didn't think about this but all these incredible bloggers that I follow on Instagram were going to be in the real catwalk like I should have known but I was so starstruck So I take part in this like, you know, night meeting and it was one of the most incredible, empowering things. There was so much love and support in that room. And the next day we do the real catwalk and I felt invincible, like literally invincible. Like I was so scared to strut down that runway. Like I'm not a model. I just truly have a passion for this and believe that everyone deserves to feel beautiful there was so much strength, there was so much positivity in that energy. And I just felt like I belonged. And it was the first time I truly felt like I belonged. (sighs) Just thinking back on that day is amazing. I truly, truly say everyone should take part in the real catwalk. It is just amazing. And the relationships and people and bonds that you build there is really a beautiful thing. And so I took part that day And something just changed. It was just like I had found where I belonged, where I should be around people that were uplifting. And it made me feel so good. And it's when I started to really realize like, hey, like I'm beautiful just as I am. And I started to take posing at iconic places to the next level. So I had met some photographers while at the Real Catwalk and I decided like we're going to really do this. Like we're going to go to the most iconic places in New York and we're going to push the boundaries. So I decided to do it in Grand Central Station. And to this day, it may be the most scared I ever was in a location because I didn't realize that I picked rush hour to do it in. 
Now, we did end up getting kicked out by the police because <laughs> we didn't have a permit. But it's New York and I realized that no one actually really cares in New York what the hell you're doing. They're so caught up in their own life and so busy. But we also did the Rockefeller tree at Christmas. When I say we, I'm talking about the photographer and myself. So I got to do the Met Steps, the Rockefeller Tree, Grand Central Station, um, Central Park, Times Square. It was a dream. It was a dream. And I was on a high. I was on this rush of feeling invincible. And then I was becoming part of this community. And that just drove this passion for body positivity, body love, whatever you would like to call it, even stronger. And that's when I really started to realize how important this community is. So after the real catwalk, that just kind of changed everything. Like I was already on this path. I was already posing at iconic places. I posed in Quebec by that time, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, and now New York. So the fire was strong. And I think I got back, it was around Christmas. And I was like a couple months, like we're in Canada. It's really cold here. I'm not going outside to really pose in my underwear. Um, and then around February, my dog Gizmo got sick. I had had him for my entire life. He is, he was the love of my life and, um, he wasn't going to make it. He ended up going into heart failure and there was a lot of other issues, but I decided that I was going to take him on a cross Canada road trip across the East coast, um, for his last adventure. Gizmo loved car rides. It was his favorite thing in the entire world besides being with me. So one of my followers had suggested this on Instagram and I thought this was the perfect farewell to Gizmo. So I live in Ontario and Nova Scotia is about 22 hours away and I decided we were going to road trip it. And I also decided this was the perfect opportunity to start doing group photo shoots. So I had never intended to do group photo shoots. I had, yeah, so this is actually a misconception. Some people think that I had wanted all along to do these big group shoots at iconic locations. It was never about that. I always just wanted to do this for myself initially. I wanted to just learn how to love myself and to feel empowered and to share that journey with others. And I started to get a lot of inquiries about people wanting to take part. And I had no intention <laughs> on making that dream happen. Or it wasn't even a dream at that point. It just, it wasn't something I even considered. Um, but then something changed. I had people ask me about potentially coming and doing it in Nova Scotia. And I had known amazing photographers over there, Kaylin Amelia, so I decided that if there was a time I was going to do it then. But the original idea that I wanted to do though was actually a video shoot and it was called Perfectly Imperfect Campaign and I was working with a videographer in London, Ontario. And this is actually something I've never discussed. So the original photo shoot we wanted to do was a video shoot in Toronto and it was going to be a group of 10 to 11 women it was going to be specifically on them and it was going to be like kind of documentary style where we all have robes on it was going to start off at dundas square and underneath they were wearing lingerie and we had signs regarding body positivity like what your insecurities were on one side i think it was and what you love the most about yourself on the other side of the sign 
I felt inspired. I'd seen a video of this group of humans do it in Australia and I thought it was super empowering. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to like share this message through video. I think it's more powerful than a photo and the photo, it just didn't speak enough for me. Like it didn't speak to me enough. So it was going to be like kind of documentary style. So you see the girls all in the beginning, you see their, their ankles, you see the robes, they're covered up. It was going to be, I forget when we were going to do it. But they were slowly going to drop the robes. And when the robes dropped, you weren't going to see their bodies, but you were going to see like people's facial expressions at first, like whether that was in shock and horror or whether that was like exciting and empowering and celebrating. And then you were going to see the girls start walking, whether that was like in a circle or around the square. And they were going to be holding up their signs for body positivity. And we were going to walk from Dundas Square in in like our lingerie. It was all going to be like lace lingerie to Nathan Phillips Square where we were then going to walk in front of the Toronto sign and in like kind of a runway style and then so that way you could see Toronto you could see all the destinations and in the beginning of the film there was going to be stats talking about like anorexia and you know issues around body image and like have these important messages to educate and share with the community and the video was going to end at Graffiti Alley and it was going to be a people sharing their stories of body positivity and why they decided to take part. And it was going to be like this minute long film kind of that we put together to be empowering and to be shared online. So that was the initial idea. Like I never wanted to do group shoots. It was going to be something like this that we could potentially take on the road um that we could potentially do across North America and eventually the world kind of thing like this movement was the idea but I found out really early on that the idea of people walking around in lingerie created a lot of fear and it was really hard especially in Canada to get people on board like you see things like this in the states like I just did one with the real catwalk where we walked across the Brooklyn Bridge that was amazing but I find in Canada, we don't have a lot of things like this and we're a lot more conservative. So it was very hard to convince people to get on board for this. And it fell through so many times and it just didn't end up working out with the videographer as well. Um, so then I had an amazing follower who reached out and said we could do it in Nova Scotia. So I was like, okay, we're going to take Gizmo. We're going to go on this road trip and let's do the first in a full circle moment at Peggy's Cove in Nova Scotia. I can't believe it. So that happened and it was the coldest, dumbest day I could have possibly picked. It was like in mid-March and I didn't factor in that being on the ocean in the east coast of Canada would be cold in underwear. Like that just didn't cross my mind. Um, and I met up with two other amazing, amazing humans and Kaylin shot it again. Like she is so talented. You need to check out her um, profile. She's one of my favorite photographers I've ever shot with. Shout out to her. Um, and I remember like feeling like kind of disappointed at first that only two other people showed up. And then I realized the whole point of this was like, if you just changed one person's life or helped them or connected with them, that was the goal. That was considered success. So that was success. And it was this truly amazing experience. And the image captured, the images captured from it are so special. It, they're so authentic. And we're all just laughing and having a good time. And I knew there was something really special with it. And I had been sharing it on social media. And then people wanted to do it in Toronto. So I was like, okay. 
let's do this. So we got a group together in Toronto. We had around like, I think it was 11 people. And um, I attempted to film it as well. But my mom was the videographer and she is not talented in that section whatsoever. So it's a lot of footage of the ground and the sky. Um, but I got to meet these like really amazing humans that I'm still friends with today. Like, um, no, Danielle is anxious wasn't there. But Curvy Chronicles was there. Fearless Fashionista. Um, yeah, so I got to meet. Oh, Al Allegraphy was there. Who else? There was a few others that were part of more shoots to come. So it was this building of this community. And we did it at a kind of like an isolated location near the waterfront. So that way people wouldn't get too scared. Obviously, things have like changed since then. So that was the first Toronto location. Then people asked for me to come to London. So this was like growing into something that I had never even expected. So I went to London, Ontario. And that's where we had more people show up and photographers I had shot boudoir with um, actually showed up too. And that's an interesting one. So one of the photographers, um, Barnett Boudoir was one of the photographers who decided to take part in the actual shoot because she said, well, I do this for other people. Like I shoot them in lingerie. These aren't the direct quotes, obviously. And I'm not comfortable doing it. And that's exactly why I need to do it. And I'm like, yes, that is exactly why you need to do it. You need to push your boundaries. Like that's where true liberation comes from. Anyways, that's actually, that day was really monumental to me. It was, first of all, so Daniela Anxious came and we caught this beautiful moment on camera of her crying because she said it was the first time she ever truly felt beautiful. And that is the whole point of these shoots. That's everything. That's the goal of it is connecting people and to make you feel stronger and beautiful and important and special. So that was really, really everything. We had some of the girls from the Toronto shoot show up. So normally when people take part in one shoot, they get addicted. It's like the best high you've ever had getting half naked in front of a monument. It just makes you feel so damn good. Um... And then that was the first time Beer Joy showed up, which if you've noticed, if you've seen me on social media, like we're all a very good group of friends and a lot of friendships have formed from these shoots. So that was a monumental day. And then we went and posed at Western. So remember when I talked about the university that I filed human rights claims against? Well, it was Western University and I have a lot of trauma and a lot of triggers from that university. Like I get really bad flashbacks. Um, we've been talking to, I've been talking to a therapist about whether it's PTSD, which we think it may be complex PTSD I have from the cases and how I was treated given my mental health. Um, they refused to accommodate me and I had tried to fight for my rights and I almost killed myself in the process, to be honest. Like I, I truly believe they wanted me to die. Um, it was a two year process and in the end I ended up graduating, which was the goal um, but that's, that's such a, that's such a complicated story for another day. And I decided that I was going to pose topless in front of Western with all the human rights claims written on my body. It was something I was really scared to do. Um, I know in America, people really believe in freedom of speech and that they're entitled to their opinion. Um, but in Canada, there could be a lot of consequences. It feels like it just feels morally wrong at times to do things like that. Or maybe that's just my family. Um, so I was really scared to do that and the consequences of what would happen if I did. 
but I also felt like I needed to finally face it. It was like a year or two later from everything that had happened. So that day I posed and the moment I was done posing, it started pouring rain. It was like a sign from the universe. I don't know if you believe in that stuff, um, but I definitely believe in higher powers. I don't know if that's God, but again, that's probably a conversation for another day, but it was a sign. It was like this release that that I so deeply needed from all the trauma that had happened there and just taking my power back. And then I decided after doing these shoots that I was going to do a North American tour. Like it was obviously wanted. And I was going to drive from Toronto to, um, I was going to drive from Toronto all the way to Vancouver in my little Honda Civic. I love that car. It's in California right now. Um, But yeah, so I was going to drive across Canada and every place I was going to stop and do these big group shoots. So we did one. I'm also forgetting that we did one in Niagara Falls as well because that felt like one of the biggest monuments you could do in Ontario. So we had to hit up the falls. So then I decided to do the North American trip. Um, that summer, pretty much, I had lost Gizmo after coming back from Nova Scotia, and it was one of the most devastating times in my life, and I just felt really lost, and my family had bought me a little puppy. His name's Teddy Bear. He's sitting right beside me right now. He's about a year old now. He's so unbelievably loving. Um, Gizmo was a Yorkie, and Teddy is a Yorkie as well, and I decided that a month into having Teddy that we were going to drive across North America. So we're going to drive from Toronto to Vancouver. So we ended up stopping in Winnipeg, Saskatoon, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, and Kelowna. That was the Canadian portion of things. And we had a showing of like some places, almost 40 people. It was truly incredible. And now let's keep in mind, I didn't have a budget to do this. There was no sponsor standing behind me. I just legitimately wanted to empower people and connect with others. So in order to make this happen, I had to sleep in my car. And I also slept with followers or people that people who followed me knew or their parents. So I slept on couches and spare bedrooms in my car all along the way, just trying to make this dream that had come to me a reality. And then, and then someone reached out to me from California, which by the way, I'm obsessed with California. It's my happy place. It's where I feel at home. I love being at the ocean. Um, That's where I lived during a very dark part of my life when I was going through that human rights case. Um, And someone said like, hey, I'm a huge dreamer and I want to invite you to San Francisco and you can stay with me and do this body positivity tour. And I was like, I don't think I can make that happen. Like that just wasn't realistic at the time. And then it happened. (laughs) I was like, well, you know. Seattle's not that far so I could stop in Seattle and I go to you know I I could go to Portland and then we could hit up San Francisco and I found places to stay in every city with someone so it's not like I had to pay for that um it was only pretty much gas so then the North American tour turned out into or sorry the Canadian tour turned into the North American tour and then I ended up going all the way down to San Diego so we shot in front of Hotel Del Coronado which is like amazing like President's Day there it is unbelievably a beautiful spot 
and we even ended up posing in front of the Venice Beach sign in Venice in LA. So it's been this whirlwind and then I ended up leaving my car in California to come home to my mom because she was ill with cancer but we're really fortunate that the surgery was a success and she no longer has cancer but we've been on this whirlwind of a body positivity adventure and then I did my second year of the real catwalk this year where I went out with Danielle's anxious and I don't like to travel with anyone because I get anxious and we went to New York together and we walked across the Brooklyn Bridge in our underwear and looking back on all the friendships and the people I've got to meet along the way it's just where I found my love and my community it's been this beautiful adventure and it's how I got to meet all of you and why I launched a YouTube channel and my blog again I just recently launched it and why I'm starting a podcast. I want to learn how to connect with more people. I want to show that you are beautiful at every shape and size. Like I'm at my heaviest I've ever been. I'm well over 250 pounds, 250, but I love myself more today than I ever did when I was thin. And I accept myself for who I am. And I know that those beliefs I initially had were fat phobic and that I deserve to be loved by myself and others and just because you are larger doesn't mean or it doesn't even matter if you're larger you deserve to be loved regardless of what shape or size you are you deserve to be loved for your intelligence for your character for your kindness for your compassion you deserve to be loved for who you are it should not matter what the number on the scale says or what the number on the back of your jeans says because you are worthy and you are valuable and we live in this culture this diet culture the seven billion dollar industry that tells us every single day that we're not good enough and I'm tired of it I'm tired of the photoshop I'm tired of the fake nude I'm tired of feeling bad when I don't fit into a pair of jeans I'm tired of being insecure over a new stretch mark I'm tired and I don't want other people to feel that way either and I think back on the restrictive diets I've done like the Dr. Bernstein's yeah that's one example but let's talk about you know when I was 110 pounds popping caffeine pills running on a treadmill three hours a day and taking ADHD medication like how did my heart not give out but no one questioned if I was healthy or not because I looked healthy because I fit into society's standards of health, which equals thin. Um, little did I know I had extreme eating disorders, um, constantly restricting myself. I remember the fear I would get if like, say, say you're like working out like that and you're like trying to get back to that size zero because, you know, society or the people around you or your boyfriend or your mom or whoever that is has told you that unless you're a size zero to two, you're not beautiful, you're not healthy and you're just starving yourself and working out all the time. Like, how is that healthy? Or sorry, sorry, I'm getting off track here because I was, before I was getting upset, but I remember... Like if I had had a brownie after working out so much, and by the way, I think it's also important to mention like at 17, I was a competitive soccer player. I lived in Italy. Technically, it was professional soccer. I played when I was in Europe and I spent my whole life being very athletic. Um, 
but I remember like the guilt that would come over like eating anything that wasn't considered healthy like if you ate McDonald's and like how you would be so upset with yourself all day or if you were a couple pounds more on the scale like how that would just destroy your day or if you know you went up a size how that would destroy your entire week and it's so sad like I remember living that way constantly in fear of what I put into my mouth and having to be thinner and thinner and it was never good enough and it was never going to be good enough that is no way to live bottom line that is no way to live I remember taking like a ridiculous amount of laxatives like I would like bingy and by the way I didn't realize this was bulimia at the time because you think when you think about eating disorders you think about really frail frail very thin people who look sickly like you know where you see you can see their skeleton pretty much but like eating disorders do not discriminate they don't have just one face or size um so I remember like taking laxatives after eating like a mega sized pizza to myself which was like the two large pizzas from pizza pizza and like it comes with wings and like these cheddar breadsticks and then taking like a ton of laxatives to make sure I didn't gain any weight from that little did I know that's bulimic like that's bulimia as well and I had all these tricks and all these diet supplements I took and it was not healthy but I will say now, I love myself about 70% of the time, which I think is a win because before I never loved myself. So I think loving yourself even, you know, 30, 40, 50% of the time is a huge success because there's love there for yourself as you are. But do I get looks because I'm larger that I'm not healthy? Do I get trolled all the time? Yes. But would I go back to the way I was before and how I felt? No definitely not so the reason I'm sharing my story and I do what I do and I promote body love is because I don't want anyone to ever feel the way I used to and I think we all deserve to be to feel beautiful and to feel supported and I don't think anyone else should put those kind that kind of pressure on you anyways so this is just my personal story. We're going to be hearing all sorts of things on here. It's going to be like a conversation type of podcast where people are going to come on and share their story and their, you know, vulnerabilities or pitfalls. Pitfalls is the wrong word, but like they're going to come on here and share their experience and their life. And we're just going to have honest, open conversations and just see where they take us and we're all gonna go on this journey together so I hope you enjoyed um hit that subscribe button I think that's what you say on podcasts I'm not sure (laughs) um if you want to leave a review that'd be great but until next time thank you for tuning in bye Thank you for listening to Glassbreakers Podcast. You can find all the details from today's episode in the show notes. If you're looking for our exclusive promo codes, that's where you'll find them as well. For additional podcast information, head over to KaylaLogan.com underneath the podcast section. To check us out on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Glassbreakers Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and write a review. And until next time, thanks for listening. Bye.